All right, so um, I am going to call Claire up. Claire Bullis, for those who don't know her, is uh, one of the pastors on our staff, and she joined us a few months ago and uh, had been a peer support specialist here prior to that. And, and uh, just, uh, I've, so I didn't even tell people, I've known Claire her whole life. Whole life. Like from visiting her as a baby in the hospital. And uh, I've never been so proud of, of somebody in the growth in, towards ministry that she has had. And uh, she's going to share the message today. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Dale. Well, good morning. How is everyone? Good. Pretty good. Who enjoyed the snow outside their windows this morning? Very few. Very few. <laughs> um. So if you have been here over the past couple of weeks, uh, you might recall that we have been going through the book of John, and specifically the prologue. And so we are going to continue that today and look real specifically at verse 14. So we will start off by reading uh, in, the, in chapter John, that is found on page 881 in the church Bibles underneath your seats. Uh, or it can be found on page 1,340 in the Recovery Bibles. All right. it starts, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Alrighty, I've got our question for you all this morning, and it is, is there a time in your life that God felt very far away or very near. So if you would like to answer for us, raise your hand. We'll have you stand up, say your name, and give a brief answer. Hello, I'm Jason. Um, we're celebrating 255 days of recovery. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, time in my life that God fell far away. I remember um, sitting when I was in my addiction and just wishing for somebody to talk to or just to get out of that hole for the last 12 years I was in. And then when I overdosed and came back, everything's changed now. Um, I love sobriety. I've I got goals. I've, I've reconnected with my children. Never thought 
you told me a year ago this time I'd be where I'm at now, there's no way I would have believed it. So um, I'm just grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Hi, my name's Keith. Um, I know of a time when uh, God was far away and near at the same time. Um, I was living in Seattle. I was homeless in most of my addiction, and uh, I was praying at the Jimi Hendrix Foundation. Why me? What did I ever do to deserve this? You know, I went straight from abuse from my family to straight addiction to straight homelessness and lived out there for many years. And then when I prayed that, he felt very far away from me. But then when I was wandering through the town that day, I looked up and I found myself at the uh, Salvation Army Recovery Center. He was very near at the same time. Thank you, Keith. Thanks. Marjorie. My name is Marjorie. I have told this story. It's like it's written on my heart, on my hands, on my lips. I could stick out my tongue and you could read it. My ex-husband just passed away this past Monday, my kid's dad. And after 23 years of marriage and about 10 years of being divorced, I was reading 2 Corinthians chapter. 1 verses 1 through 11. Now I knew that Jesus had died and saved me from my sins and rose again, but these 11 verses, they blew me away. I was not able to forgive this man that I was married to from him getting me pregnant to all kinds of things, because we just never could talk. And God came to me through those verses and told me who I was and told me who he is, the God of comfort. I couldn't help but write down these hurts And then I just had to stop and say, Father, I forgive him. And I told my ex-husband while he was dying that I forgave him. And he looked at me. And that man, one day short of two weeks, passed away peacefully. Hmm. And I know that that was the reason for it. And I praise God that he was near me and near my ex-husband and near my children and even the children from his first family. And he's near all of us. Thank you, Marjorie. You're welcome. Hi, I'm uh, Nick and I am celebrating my uh, birthday here on the 26th, uh, we have 12,980 days behind us, and that makes me feel very close to God. I also am delighted to be having my son, Jack, join me. Thanks, Richard. Good morning, everybody. Uh, God felt farthest away from me when I was in active addiction, and when is he very near? Right here, right now. Yes, thank you. All right, we've got Louisa and then Jamie, and I can pull her up up there. Hi, Lighthouse. I'm Louisa, and um, a time that he felt far away was when I was um, 
living with my birth parents and then uh, being taken away from them. God felt really far away at the time. Um, but within the past year or so, I've been doing some research on like the comparison between earthly adoption versus spiritual adoption. And I haven't felt closer to God since then. Hmm. Thank you, Louisa. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie. Um, I'll try to make this quick. So when, uh, there was a time when God felt far away from me, but he was closer than I thought. Um, I was in my addiction trying to run from my problems. I'm going to leave the state of North Dakota. Um, and there was about three days where my phone was plugged in. The alarm didn't go off. I missed the bus like three days in a row. And I took that as a sign that I needed to stay and face my problems. So that's when I went and signed up for Genesis. Very nice. Thank you, Jamie. And thank you to all of you who shared and were transparent. So I've got a couple jokes for you. And I want you to know, I have to like intentionally rein in my dark sense of humor to do this. Okay. A couple of counterfeit couple of counterfeits made a mistake one time and ended up with a batch of $15 bills. One of them says, we got to get rid of these things. We'll go to Florida. I know a little town there, and they're so dumb they won't know a thing. So off they go. Soon they arrive at a gas station and buy some gas. The guy at the counter looks a little simple-minded. Hey, can you break a $15 bill for me, one of them says. Oh, sure, no problem, says the cashier. The counterfeits grin at each other. I told you, the one whispers to the other, and they fist bump. The cashier says to them, do you want an eight and a seven, or two threes and a nine? My neighbor got a diagnosis from a psychiatrist and decided to get an emotional support animal. His choice? A skunk. His diagnosis? Sociopath. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Over the past uh, week or so, I've uh, thought quite a bit about what it means to be human. And no, not just uh, those humbling moments that really make you stop and go, I have no other words than it's just because I'm human. See, we as human beings are incredibly complex, just as the way that God made us. From an atomic level to our biological makeup, to the way our minds work and how our personalities are shaped. For the most part, we all start out relatively similar. Each of us follow predictable developmental stages and hit expected milestones. Yet, as we age, how vastly different and unique each one of us becomes. Whether it be by genetics or varying environments, we all grow into this version of ourselves that is completely unlike anyone else. 
We each have our own interests and hobbies, likes and dislikes, ways of showing love, and the facial expressions we sometimes make. And with all of this, we all have the things that make us human. The imperfections, the flaws, the struggles, maybe the reason that brought you to Lighthouse and that you're sitting here today. The parts of being human that most people don't like to talk about. And it made me really come to appreciate how valuable it is to be able to have a place where I can come and I can find comfort and company in being human here. A few minutes ago, we read in verse 14 that the word became human and made his home among us, that he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. If you've been here in the past few weeks, you might remember that the word was with God and the word was God. I was right in verse one of the prologue. And the word refers to Jesus. So when we look at the beginning of verse 14 that says the word became human, we learn that Jesus is God himself in a human body. We learn that God stepped out of heaven and came to make his home among us in the form of Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 15 reads, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So if you're sitting and wondering why God, who created everything in heaven and on earth, and who holds all of creation together, would want to come to our world and live amongst human in the form of Jesus, it's because he wants to have a relationship with you. His desire to have a close, tight-knit relationship is that same desire that led to the greatest miracle of all time. From the moment of the incarnation, which translates literally to the embodiment of God the Son in human flesh as Jesus Christ, his time on earth was profound. Jesus, who is divine in all his abilities and healing powers, was just as human as you and I, which means he probably cried when he was an infant and maybe tripped over his own feet when he was learning to walk, means he would have made memories with other kids his age and he maybe went through an awkward stage as a teenager. And Jesus worked as a carpenter with his father, which means on long, hot summer days, he probably got sweaty and tired and maybe even a little hangry. 
Jesus was loved and he was judged. He was praised and he was also criticized. We all know that Jesus knew pain and suffering. And it was God's intention to understand us better by making Jesus human. He sent Jesus to, as the verse say, says, make his home among us. Now, can you imagine what it would be like to uh, see, today, see Jesus today in the 21st century, just out and about among us all? Imagine you're at Hornbacher's, waiting in line, and you see Jesus standing in front of you, frantically scrolling through the apps on his phones so he can get his rewards points. You know? It sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But that was exactly the plan God had created. He would come to earth through Jesus to learn more about us and to create a deeper relationship with us. Now, Imagine that God's desire to know you better, combined with his abounding love for you, led Jesus to moving in right next door to you. He is your neighbor. Take a look up at the screen here. So you live in one house, Jesus is right next door, nice and cozy. Now, growing up, it was instilled into my mind, as I'm sure many of yours, that if something bad happens when mom and dad aren't home, you go to the neighbor's house. They can help you. They'll know what to do. And maybe you even had the neighbor's phone number written down just in case of emergencies. Now, this might be a generational thing or maybe a Midwestern thing or maybe just a Claire thing. Um, but I'm not exactly close with any of my neighbors. Sure, I know some of their names, but mostly just because we're all part of a Facebook group for our neighborhood, um, where occasionally someone will post about the old rickety trailer uh, that's an eyesore nearby, or the black-colored Nissan car driving around with a dude recording with a cell phone. And yes, those are direct quotes. But in all honesty, I don't really know the people that live around me at all. And I would guess most of the people living around me would have to say the same thing. Just last weekend, my mom came over to my home and commented that it's always so dark in here. Why don't you just open the blinds? I responded that I genuinely don't even notice how dark it is because I keep the blinds closed all the time and that just the natural light doesn't come in. When my mom asked why I never opened the blinds, I commented that the neighbors don't need to see what I'm doing at 3 a.m., which, to clarify, is often homework, baking, or whatever manic idea runs wild in my brain. The blinds stay closed to keep other people from looking inside. In a sense, we sometimes do the same with Jesus. We keep to ourselves most of the time because privacy, you know? We keep them at arm's reach. Smile and wave in passing, 
uh, giving, putting on our best, I'm a perfectly normal, well-adjusted human face and hoping that he doesn't stop and ask us any questions. We might ask ourselves, is he even home when his lights have been out or no car has been by in a couple days? We start to question, is God really there? But just like we're told to do as a child when something goes wrong and we don't know what to do, whose door do we go knocking on? The neighbor's door, Jesus' door. Hoping that he will keep us safe and that he'll know what to do and can make things better. And so often we try to keep aspects of our lives hidden from God. Whether it be intentional or not, I think we just all do it at some times. We want our privacy, the freedom to do as we wish and not be judged or interrupted by other people. And sure, sometimes a little privacy is okay. It's almost Christmas season and you don't want your family members to know what you've purchased for them. That's fine. But what about the things you don't want anyone to find out about? The ways you decompress after a long day. The words you speak to yourself. The ways that you make the pain in your life go away even if it's just for a little while. But by keeping people in the dark, it also means you might feel pretty alone when you're left to pick up the pieces afterwards. It means sitting with all those emotions, the guilt, the shame, the sadness or fear, whatever it might be. It means sitting with them alone and being trapped in your own head because you've shut the door on God and on other people. Has anyone else ever felt that feeling? Yeah, no, never. <laughs> but you see, that isn't the, t- the kind of relationship God desires. He doesn't want you to face your hardest times alone. He wants to know the real version of you. And for you to know that he understands what you're going through and that he doesn't see you any differently. God's love for you is so profound and great that no matter what, he still views you as the perfectly made child he created you to be. And he wants your relationship to be closer than the guy living next door. He wants to be closer with you. So I'll take up a look up at the screen here, and you might recognize uh, a pretty famous painting that came out of the 19th century by an artist named William Hunt, titled, The Light of the World Comes Knocking. There's a verse in Revelation that says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. This is the closeness God desires. Jesus is standing at your front door, waiting for you to answer and to invite him inside. Now, we all know that living with other people can bring its 
blessings and its challenges. I, for one, live alone. Because finding someone else who can uh, tolerate a 76-degree environment and a restless sleeper has not come easily. (laughs) Now, as I was writing this, I couldn't help to laugh, but to laugh at myself when I thought of the idea of arguing with Jesus over the thermostat. (laughs) Or having him watch as I overthink myself into a panic trying to figure out what the grain is going to be with my dinner at night. Is it gonna be crackers? Is it going to be bread? Are we going to challenge ourselves? Let's just go popcorn. That's the safe route. But that's the same thing we did yesterday. (laughs) So I invite you to take a moment and think, what would it be like if you invited Jesus in? What might he see? Now turn and ask your neighbor, how long would it take before Jesus wants a roommate agreement. As mentioned earlier, there would be blessings and challenges. It would be a blessing to have someone there to answer the questions you've been asking God all along. But Jesus would also have a first-hand view of the things we've been trying to hide from other people and from God. He would be in the room on our darkest days when all we want to do is hide from the world. But he'd also be there to say, I'm right here, when we are crying out to God because he feels far away. Jesus would be there to hear our prayers and say, I am listening. He would be there to help us navigate the battles we face each day while making it abundantly clear he isn't going anywhere. No matter how we struggle to find our way, Jesus would be there to say, well, yeah, you maybe messed that up, but let's talk it through and see what can go differently next time. He would be there listening and watching the ways you beat yourself down with your words and actions. But you'd have him there to remind you that God created you perfectly and in his image. He might get annoyed when you haven't kept up on your end of the chores or when you eat his favorite snacks. Maybe he'd see us repeating the same patterns over and over and over again, hoping for different results. He might get frustrated and say, did you not learn from this last time? But he'd still stand there by your side as you learn. Jesus would be there to wipe away tears when all you want to be is alone. Jesus would see what keeps you up at night and how you spend your downtime. He'd be there to question Did you take your meds today? And did you take them as prescribed? (laughs) Jesus would be waiting up for you when you've come home a little bit too late and with not quite all your wits about you. And he'd be there standing next to you the next morning when you look at yourself in the mirror and try to tell yourself that nobody's going to know 
he'd be there to say, "Mm, yes, they will. Keep telling yourself that. At times, it might be really difficult allowing someone to see us fully and at our most vulnerable times. Yet think of the times when you've been at your worst. Wouldn't it have been such a relief to have someone there to say, you're not alone in this? Or who sees your heartbreak and says, you have my love, which is greater than all others. Or who hears you say the words, I'm not good enough, and responds, you have always been enough, and you always will be. How comforting would it be to have Jesus there on the days when we think, I can't possibly keep going. And to listen to him say, we are in this together, and I'm not giving up on you. How much different could our lives be if we let God fully in? Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12, can be found on pages 518 in the Church Bible and page 775 in the Recovery Bible. It reads, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessings on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, The night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. God sees us everywhere we go. He hears the words that we we speak, and he knows the way we view ourselves. And he chooses to stay. He continues to love us through it all, and he's patient with his love, and he always Remains. Verses 17 and 18 read, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. Meaning that no matter what, no matter what sins or wrongdoings or things we think would separate us from God, he's still there day after day waiting for us, and saying, I still think of you perfectly because you are my child. He loves us through it all. He loves you, Desiree, through it all. He loves you, Shane, through it all.
When God made his home among us, he gained the full understanding of what it means to be human. God gets it. And he made his home among us so that one day heaven can be our home. Our eternal home where there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no mental health struggles or addiction, but where all is well. And it was all because of his endless love and grace that he made his home here on earth with us. When the word of God, Jesus, took on human form or flesh so that we may have a second chance at this life. We see that in the end of verse 14 when John foreshadows the resurrection saying, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, Jesus, who is from God and who is equal with God, and who himself is perfectly divine, came to the earth so that we could be saved, so that we could be redeemed. And by taking on human form, he was subjected to the harshness that this world often carries. Jesus, who was, as it says, full of unfailing love and faithfulness, had to endure ridicule, pain, and betrayal. Jesus, the one who entered the world he created, was rejected by his own people. But Jesus, through it all, continued to spread light in dark places. He challenged the misconceptions about God and revealed the truth. The truth being that eternal life is found in God alone. Jesus dwelled among us. He made his home among us uh, here on earth. And his divine background didn't protect him from the humanness that you and I face each day. He was not protected from the messiness that human nature drags along. However, because God came to earth and experienced life like you and I do, we are given the gift of salvation through his name. God understands us fully and loves us fully. So if you take four things with you today, let it be these four. One, God steps out of heaven through his son, Jesus. Two, that Jesus was as human as you and I. He understands our struggles. Three, God knows you fully and loves you fully. And four, that God doesn't want, to simply, doesn't want you to simply know about him, but he wants to have a relationship with you. So if there are days where you still find yourself wanting to keep Jesus at arm's length, maybe you don't feel good enough or worthy enough, keep in mind this verse from Colossians 1. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with, with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
So let's take a picture. Let's take a look at that picture we looked at earlier. If you're wondering if Jesus is still there, knocking at your front door, waiting for an invitation in, he is. He is waiting for you to open the door so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he can work within you. God chose to live here with us to experience what life is really, really like because his love for you is unfailing. He is full of grace and of healing. And there is nothing you could do or say today that would make him love you any more or less than he did yesterday or will tomorrow. Amen.